Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes in defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 249 is entitled, What is Real? Part 16, Implications of the Assumptions of Science, 7. There is no greater fallacy in science than the claim that something can come from nothing. In the previous podcast, we dealt with the following logical fallacies of theoretical science. Assumption 1. There is no intelligent design and no intelligent designer. Assumption 2. Life was created by accident. Assumption 3. Man is nothing but an accidental collocation of atoms. Assumption 4. We live in an accidental universe. Assumption 5. Man is an animal, and man is a machine, thus has no free will. Assumption 6. Man is ruled by determinism, and thus has no free will. Assumption 7. There is no life prior to earth. Assumption 8. There is no life after death. Today we shall address the following false assumption. Assumption 9. Only the physical body has life. In other words, there is no soul. Central to our democratic republic is the sacredness of human life. That includes the unborn, the newborn, the young, the middle age, and the elderly. Three movements are growing in America and in the world that denies the sacredness of life. Abortion, partial birth abortion, and euthanasia. Abortion is death to the unborn. Partial birth abortion is death to the newly born. Euthanasia is death to the injured, disabled, mentally ill, and elderly. According to the New York Times, in Canada in 2021, 31,664 Canadians received assisted deaths. The Times reported, Of those, 224 who died last year were not terminally ill. In America, nine states plus D.C. have legal physician-assisted suicide. One state has legal physician suicide by court ruling. Do you remember Dr. Kevorkian, a.k.a. Dr. Death, who killed his patients with a Thanatron, or death machine? Thanatos is a Greek word meaning death. The second death machine was euphemistically called a Mercytron, or mercy machine. According to Wikipedia, many of his patients were not terminally ill, and some were not ill at all. He was credited for 130 deaths. When death becomes the best cure, then society has lost its soul. Options are not considered. That is what happens when abortion and euthanasia become a cause or a political movement. Planned Parenthood has built an industry on abortion. Our courts are more lenient to a serial killer than they are to the infirm, elderly, and unborn. But it is clear that by removing God as creator and referring to man as an accidental collocation of atoms, the sacredness of life is diminished. By claiming that life is only in the flesh, we are no more than the flora and fauna of the earth. We live in privilege but die in obscurity. Our elements reincarnated as accidents of nature. 
All identities, relationships, ties, bonds, and loves are meaningless for this life only. The unborn and newly born are considered medical tissue rather than human beings. The elderly and disabled are considered a burden to society. The further we move away from the teachings of the Holy Bible, the more we disregard human life. That is the gift of atheism. From the beginning, the Lord established the sacredness of human life. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. It is no accident that the Lord revealed to Moses that until the breath of life was breathed into his nostrils, he did not have life. Only in the spirit is there life. It is not in the flesh. That is the real story of creation. The Spirit gives life to the flesh. The Apostle Peter said we have a divine nature. Second Peter 1 4 Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Only upon the principle that God, not accident, created us can we have a democratic republic where life is held sacred both by God and by man. Where there is living flesh, there is spirit. All living things, flora, fauna, insects, and man have a spirit. Otherwise, they would not have life. I have stood vigil at the bedside of family and friends who were dying. I knew when the spirit left the body. A change came over the body. Death will always be a mystery, of course. But to a Christian, death only occurs to the body, not the spirit. The spirit cannot die. It will continue to live forever. We cannot afford to lose the will to live, nor have it legislated out of us. We cannot afford to disregard the sacredness of life. A doctor cannot afford to trade his symbol of life for a symbol of death, or trade his symbol of healing for a symbol of patient-assisted suicide. We do not go to doctors and hospitals and medical clinics to be released from this life by Thanatrons and Mercitrons. That is what horror movies are made of. We go to be healed. Fundamental to Christian doctrine is the sacredness of birth, the sacredness of death, and the certainty of the resurrection. At birth, our spirit is placed in a mortal body, giving our spirit body life. At death, our spirit leaves our mortal body, which goes back to what David called the dust of death. At the resurrection, the spirit and the body are reunited with one very significant difference. The resurrected body is as immortal as the spirit and will never die again. We will have our physical bodies forever. The prophet Isaiah, with his unique flair with language, puts it this way. Isaiah twenty-six nineteen, Thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Everyone will be resurrected, whether great or small, good or evil. Daniel tells us, Acts twenty four fifteen, And have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust. However, there is an order to the resurrection. Christ was the first to be resurrected. 1 Corinthians 15.23 But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. Immediately after Christ's resurrection, we are told, Matthew 27.52 
and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. The scriptures teach us of at least two periods of resurrection. Revelation 26 Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. The first resurrection is reserved for the righteous followers of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The wicked shall be reserved for the second resurrection. That does not occur until after the millennium. Revelation 25 through 6 But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Only through Christ can we be resurrected. John eleven twenty five through 26 Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? In the resurrection we shall all receive our physical bodies. After his resurrection, Christ said to his apostles, Luke twenty four thirty seven through 43 But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of an honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. I prefer a literal interpretation of the Bible. Once we start twisting words to fit our paradigm, it becomes a slippery slope. The Holy Bible is so rich, we can always cherry-pick it to find a statement that supports our point of view. I am reminded of the words of Bassanio in Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice. His future happiness entirely depended on his choice among a gold chest, a silver chest, and a lead chest. In one of the boxes was the portrait of the woman he loved. If he does not choose wisely, he lost both his lady and his fortune. So may the outward show be least themselves. The world is still deceived with ornament. In law, what plea so tainted and corrupt, but, being seasoned with a gracious voice, obscures the show of evil? In religion, what damned air but some sober brow will bless it and approve it with a text hiding the grossness with fair ornament? There is no vice so simple but assume some mark of virtue on its outward parts. All resurrections are alike in two ways. One, everyone is resurrected. Two, the resurrected body is perfect. All the infirmities of disease, age, time, and accident are removed. There will be no scars, no blemishes, no disfigurement, no missing parts, no baldness, no imperfections. 
The only difference will be in glory, light, truth, knowledge, and power. Those who come forth in the first resurrection will have greater light and greater power than those who come forth in the second resurrection. As stated previously, Paul describes the resurrection this way. 1 Corinthians 15:40-42 There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. We must ask ourselves which resurrection we want. For Christians, the answer is self-evident. We want a resurrection in the likeness of Christ. Paul tells us. Romans 6, 5. For if we had been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. We know from the witnesses of the apostles that the resurrected Lord shone like the sun. In other words, using Paul's words, he will have a celestial glory, and those who live with him will have a celestial glory. The greater the glory, the greater the resurrection. Paul adds, Philippians 3.21 Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the workings whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Christ knows that we are imperfect. Paul refers to our vile body. But it can still be fashioned like unto the glorious body of Christ if we repent of all our sins and endure to the end. Colossians 2.13 And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses. One of my favorite scriptures on the resurrection is found in 1 John. 1 John 3, 1-3 Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. John is speaking of those Christians who have accepted Christ and kept his commandments to the best of their ability, repenting of all their sins. That same John, later called John the Revelator, saw the celestial Christ. Revelation 1, 13 through 15. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Later, he saw the celestial city. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. It is a pernicious doctrine to claim that only the physical body has life. 
We are all living souls. We have an immortal spirit. It is that spirit that carries the will to live. We are spirit children of God, created by our eternal Father. He sent us to this earth for a purpose, and that purpose was to earn a better resurrection, to return to heaven to live with him in a glorified, resurrected state, that we may be perfect, even as our Father which is in heaven is perfect. For that reason, and that reason alone, did God send his only begotten Son into the world. John three sixteen through 17 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Notice the emphasis is on life, everlasting life. That which God holds sacred, we too must hold sacred. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.